Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Editing Aloud. And panel, we've had quite a week in South Africa so far. Um, uh, it's it's, it's Man, uh, Nelson Mandela Centenary, and we had a magnificent event uh, in Johannesburg yesterday where uh, former U.S. President Barack Obama gave a long and probably his most public speech since um, leaving the White House in 20, the beginning of 2017. And he had a few sharp sort of messages for the world, and I suspect also for an American audience back home about uh, Donald Trump. Ray, you were there. What did you think of it? I thought it was a very good speech. I thought it was very clever. It was masterful. It was like a symphony. It built up. You know, he's, he's an orator. Um, what was interesting for me was how South Africans received it. Because you had the, the great and good of Johannesburg. You know, yeah. the, the good folk were out in their fine clothing. Yeah. Um, 15,000 of them. And they cheered this on and you, and you suddenly realize that if you look past all the Twitter trolls and the yeah. rubbish that gets spoken by yeah. little parties trying to get attention, most South Africans actually are, are one heart. with the idea mm. of a kinder, gentler capitalism that is more mm. uh, friendly, that of sorting out poverty, of being fair, of businesses not being so rapaciously greedy. Yeah. You know, these messages really went home really well with this audience. Yeah. As did Ramaphosa. The last time that Obama spoke was uh, at Mandela's That's memorial right. in Soweto. Yeah. And there Jacob Zuma was booed. The mood was awful. You just were not proud and to be yesterday, celebrated. Yesterday, Ramaphosa's reception was... was Rapturous. Yeah. He got two standing ovations. Yeah. You know, there's... Uh, there's no question that... The event was by invitation, though, wasn't it? I mean, or, or, or could you... Or you could, could buy tickets. You could buy a ticket yeah, to get yeah. in. I don't know. What did you think of it, Sikhanati? Did you watch? You see, uh, <laughs> the some of us have to work. We were sitting oh, at the, at the desk, yeah. uh, really trying to put the financial world together. We didn't even watch the, the, the World Cup. However, the snippets that, uh, that, that we did get and what Ray did indeed uh, send to the less fortunate amongst yeah. us. It was a really great speech. Yeah. He had quite a few messages. Uh, not only for Donald Trump, by the way, when he was talking about yeah. facts, the denialism of facts, he was also talking about one gentleman who was in the audience, not far, not far away from him, a guy called Tabon Biggie. Uh, the denialism of facts. Think AIDS. Think HIV. Was, was, was Tabo Mbeki there? I did see quite a few I pictures. Didn't, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear Mbeki, uh, Cyril acknowledge I, I know him. that Motlante was there Motlante and he was, was acknowledged, but I don't think there, Mbeki yeah. was there. Oh, well, uh, I probably there was also was there was also a reference to people, pol politicians who hold press conferences and say nothing, which I thought reminded I'm, me of a certain political party. <laughs> I'm quite happy to acknowledge that I was working producing this great magazine called Absolutely. The Financial yeah. Week, and I saw That's a very a fine picture, edition of the of the a, a picture or week. two. Uh, but uh, there really was a nice message about inclusive capitalism, yeah. and and uh, how can why can't we have politicians? Yeah. Who speak like that? Who think like that? Yeah. Who has a vision? You don't think? You don't think it's predictable? I mean, I, I expected that of, of Obama. I expected it to be exactly what it was. I mean, the message of softer capitalism is, is a good one, um, and I think the Americans took from it what they wanted to see. Mm. But I found it to be exactly what you'd expect of Obama. It was kind of predictable, but it was still great. I mean, I thought he spoke really well. A, it's basically a kind of kind liberalism in a, in a way, yeah. especially with regard to capitalism. I mean, I enjoyed it because that's my thing. 
is mm. inclusive growth and inclusive capitalism, and I've been going on about it for years. I'm very glad to see my, hear myself repeated but by so illustrious a, a I mean, leader. I, I felt like a part of it was was inequality. I mean, that was one of the key the key mm. messages was inequality. And you come to a country like this where our Gini coefficient is ridiculous. I mean, we have 36.7% of people out of work. And I think the, the, it's far more glaring, perhaps, for, for someone like an American where they have 4% unemployment now to come here and see this many people out of work. And yeah. the inequality at such ridiculous levels because so many people are out of work. Um, is it, is, I mean, I, I have a thing. Let's talk about inequality and poverty. I mean, I, they're different things, aren't they? It, I mean, they have different causes. I mean, inequality is caused by the presence of money. And poverty is caused by the absence of money. I mean, it might, or, you know, mm. so they have different solutions. Um, and, and I just wonder whether we concentrate too much on inequality rather than on poverty, which is where I would have thought the real problem is. I mean, if you took the 20 richest people out of this equation in South Africa, what would that do to the Gini coefficient? Yeah, yeah that is true. It would. But I mean, I, I was at a meeting with some Reserve Bank people recently, and they said the issue isn't the, the people who earn, you know, 20 million rand a year and the people who earn um, sort of 100,000 rand a year. It's, mm. it's the fact that, that the Gini coefficient is completely skewed by the fact that there's so many people out of work, yeah. which makes it look far worse than America, for example. Um, but I mean, the other issue is that poverty is, has completely different dimensions to inequality. I mean, that human, res was it human, yeah. res human resources council stat last week that said that 64% of black people are living in poverty and 1% of white people. Yeah which is just a racially skewed metric that is in illustrates how completely volatile this country is and why race is such a critical thing to discuss now. And, and the, the biggest mistake we, the people of South Africa, have made over the years, we've actually made poverty acceptable. The fact that uh, there's that number of people... We get much more people. excited about inequality. Uh, exactly, and, and we have made poverty uh, an acceptable fact of life. Really, you get out of here, you see uh, people who live on zero rent per month, the income, uh, the absence of the income that Rob is talking about. Mm. And I it's a crisis if you mm. have 37% unemployment rate, uh, the, the real unemployment rate. You have uh, the 64% of black people, many of them young people who have the, the, the ability to, to cause massive, uh, to destabilize this social order. Uh, untold mm. uh, amount of damage to the economy. But we all sit here in our high chairs and think uh, uh, poverty is acceptable. We see people earning, ha having to live on 1,600 yeah. rands a month and we do nothing about it. That would be, 1,600 rand would be a hell of a lot more than the people I was watching on television last night. In, in, a, in a village, you couldn't call it a village, a collection of basically rondovas and huts, not too far from Mtata. Um, and they had to walk about uh, three or four kilometers to a little stream to get water, which was heavily polluted. Um, some NGO had gone and done tests on the water. It was full of E. coli. Um, and there was no way to treat, to treat it. And these were very old women, I mean, you know, who, who had no, there was, they had no hope of getting clean water, no hope of getting anybody to help them. There was a guy with a bucky who would drive them there, but it would charge them. And he said, you know, I have to charge them because one, fuel is expensive, and two, this road is so bad, it breaks my car when I bring it down here. But it's the only way to get 100 litres of water back up to the hill, you know, for these old women who, who need to cook with it, wash themselves with it. It was appalling for 2018 that, that the ANC, the government, hasn't helped those people. 
And there's absolutely no sense of agency. That is the crisis facing this country. They, they, they are not at all hidden, uh, Peter. We come from those people. I am of those people. Yeah. All of those people, the, the government that you are talking about, is of those people. They come from there, up the ladder, kick it down, and no one climbs. Yeah. That's the, 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 that's Yet, the reality. What, what Barack Obama said yesterday is that you talk about inclusive growth, is that socialism isn't the answer to fix that. I mean, you need Indian market later, softer, different kind of capitalism. But well, you but need to give people a stake approach. in the economy somehow. Exactly. You know, land would do that. I was interested to listen to, to Cyril on the interview he gave the day before, talking about using uh, the expropriation of land, which uh, was going to be uh, as a uh, uh, EWC, what? expropriation mm. of as a growth opportunity. And if you think about it, if you are able to expropriate the right pieces of land near the right cities and all that, you can you can build new cities or new suburbs, you know, and which which just in in building them you generate economic growth. Um, so he seems to be a lot more comfortable than the polls would suggest or that reports would suggest. Does Ramaphosa? He was very comfortable, obviously, yesterday. Yeah, I think you know this was Ramaphosa's heartland, mm. hearting the you know a middle class constituency. Well, you had to buy a ticket. Um, and yes. <laughs> and he you know he he just was in his zone yeah. you know you got two standing ovations it yeah. was they agreed with everything he did they laughed at all his jokes yeah they laughed even when he was camera showed him smiling on the screen yeah. and i think that you know you do have to sort of temper this with the knowledge that out there temper the pessimism um, you know this this is not a this is a little bit of a bubble yeah. in the, in a country that has very 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 but also, we, we, we can overdo the we can overdo the yes. the, um, the pessimism about him. I mean, there is Ipsos, uh, yeah, has just Ipsos has just produced its annual the first of its uh, two polls of the year, um, and I don't have it in front of me. But if I remember correctly, it has the ANC standing at sixty percent, the mm. DA at thirteen, and the EFF at seven. Now, the poll has been criticised because it probably underestimates all of the parties. But even if it underestimates by double, let's say the EFF, that still puts the EFF at around 11% or 12%. Mm. Um, the, e, the DA, we suspect, is going to slip a little bit because of its own leadership problems. But the ANC sitting there at 60%, and, and you know, the analysts are saying it's an underestimation. Yeah, I think that so you know, nothing to worry the, about the slogan thing. is, ignore the trolls, look at the polls. Yeah. You know? um, there has been criticism of that poll, and it could possibly overestimate the the support because the methodology has been in some detail criticized. Front page of Business Day today, yeah. there's an analyst doing that. But nonetheless, even the critics agree that the broad strokes are right, and yeah. they show that the ANC is clawing back a lot of ground from the DA in the Western Cape, even. Yeah. Which was The DA would, would drop below control. Yeah. In the Epsos. In the Epsos. Yeah, this I mean, is that's very, very significant. You know, the, the, the real costs of the way in which the DA has managed its internal affairs in the Western yeah. Cape, the, the fact of Delil's popularity with the base and the symbolism of her being shafted, yeah. uh, I think they've very much underestimated this, the political impact of that. Yeah. The, the, uh, Sukunati, what did you think of the poll? I mean, the, Cyril, let's say the ANC is untroubled by the vote now. I mean, does he, does he 
He's not going to get 75% or 66%, but he might get 58% or 61%. As opposed to about 52%. As opposed to 52 or 49%. That, that, that's absolutely accurate. I mean, uh, the biggest campaigner for the ANC at this point is the Democratic Alliance. Mm. The, the, the wheels have really turned very fast. Uh, the ANC president before, Jacob, uh, before Cyril Ramaphosa was the biggest campaigner for the Democratic Alliance. Now you've got the exact uh, opposite, where the leadership of the D uh, Democratic Alliance is the biggest campaigner for the ANC, and and that's that's what they are doing in the Western Cape with through uh, by Patricia Dilil imposing Natasha Mazzone, and in the Eastern Cape there's the, there's another mess there. Yeah. So, uh, well done, DA. Thank you very much. I sh I, I would say if I was uh, an ANC. Well, one of the things the poll does say is that a lot of undecided or what they call and and I can't remember what it was now. The word used was um, uh, animist. Yeah, I, think it was quite I think that that group of about ten percent was either undecided 15. or yeah. yeah, yeah, it was quite large. So I think that would swing it hugely. But but I, I still think, think what, what you know you've got to take that undecided vote and then look at it, break it down demographically, and yeah. and reallocate it according to where mm. it's most likely to yeah. to to eventually reside. I mean, the highest and number of undecided seem to be in the Western Cape. So. He, this, the, the analyst quoted in today's story, who's very good, Davi Skoltz, um, he said that most of those people probably drift back to the DA if they get their act together. But I did notice yesterday Patricia uh, was at the lecture sitting not too far away from um, some ANC She's leaders. She's probably getting charged tomorrow for appearing in a photograph with Cyril Ramaphosa. Well, she was, mm -hmm. yes, and she did too. She was there with Lindy Wemazibuka, but I did do suspect that she was also in a photograph along with Cyril and, I, I um, did see and Barack Obama. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll be back uh, just after this break. Welcome back. Um, Sukhanati, you, you, you've been part of the coverage uh, in Business Day recently um, about uh, the PRC and... and um, the apparent growing isolation of Dr. Dan Machila, the CEO or COO, or if he has both jobs, um, is he in trouble? That is one confusing story. He is in trouble and he is not in trouble. Mm. The chairman of the board of the PIC is the Deputy Minister of Finance. Right. And the chairman said, I'm not opposing the UDM's application to suspend Daniel Machila uh, because I do not believe, I cannot vouch for the board of the PIC, the processes it went through uh, during Malusi Kikaba's time as finance minister when uh, Daniel Machila seemed to get into trouble. They probed him, there were allegations of, uh, of financial impropriety. There was and, a girlfriend. Uh, had, that uh, yeah, with arranged. an alleged girlfriend yeah. of his, yeah. uh, apparently uh, he influenced, gave away the PIC's money, 21 million rand of it, and got an investee company to give here another 300,000 yeah. rands. Machila denies all of this. Mm. Uh, the the board last year uh, investigated and then cleared here. And Monty Kungubele comes up and says, I don't trust you guys, this board, therefore I'm not uh, opposing the application. No. So you have a situation where the board of the PIC uh, goes against its chairman, or the chairman of the PIC goes against his board. So there's two separate entities. There's the chairman and there's the board. Then uh, the finance minister, who is the boss of the deputy minister, says, hell no, 
we are not suspending Daniel Machila. I am opposing this. Uh, you, you would seem the person that is most isolated now is the deputy finance minister, who is the chairman of the board of the Public Investment Corporation. He's, he's quite a good guy, Mondling Gungubere, isn't he? Is he not? He's got a he, good reputation. He really is ethically a Ethically solid? Absolutely. Ethically solid. He does, he seems to have a problem with the policies that were followed by the board and he's he, while he acknowledges in the affidavit that the majority view of the board carries the day, he's basically descending and say, they can have their own way as the majority. I, as the minister, I'm not part of this. He says, I cannot in good conscience tell this. And does it just court. center around this one transaction that, that Dr. Dan did, or is it, you know, is there a wider history? Uh, the, 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 the history is quite long. You know the PAC has yeah. got two trillion rands sure, of cash sure. that yeah. all politicians want yeah. to lay their hands on. And the PAC indeed has made bad decisions in the past which have made it uh, vulnerable to these kinds of attacks. Uh, this comes from a particular time when uh, Sifiso Boutelis was chairman of the PIC uh, together with uh, Malusa Kikaba as the minister. Yeah. And there were these allegations that came anonymously and said, Daniel Machila has given away the PIC's money, yeah. 21 million rand. He denies uh, giving away, well, the, the, the company did receive the loan from the PIC. However, he denies being uh, that being his personal decision. He also denies any romantic involvement. But what interests me, Rob, is, is that is that at some stage, Mflantla Nene must also have been chairman of the PRC, mm. um, and and that for quite a long time. He was deputy finance yeah, minister was. for for a long time, so he may, he must know Dan Machila pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was he would have been there at the time, if I'm not mistaken, that the uh, chief investment officer was fired. The, um, the chief executive was fired. Uh, he actually oh, is... Dan was, Dan was chief investment officer. Yes, mm. uh, Elias Masilela handed his resignation letter to Ntlantlanene. And why and did he resign? Ntlantlanene uh, has not? never told us. Yeah. Uh, Elias Masilela has never told yeah. us. The PAC has never told us. Uh, we, we, of so course, it would have do been, know. Uh, it would have been under Ntlantlanene then that, that Dan Machili became chief investment officer and chief executive. So he's given him all the power. Uh, no, he was already chief investment officer yes. in Tlantanene and became deputy uh, finance minister. Right. It was in Tlantanene that promoted him uh, to, to chief In other words, to hold both officer. jobs. Yeah, when, when, when Elias Masilela resigned immediately. There was no notice, nothing. There was a dispute about certain transactions and he walked and Majila got the job. And was the it, was it dispute in question about the loans made to Iqbal Servo to buy the independent group? We now would be veering into a speculative okay. uh, territory. We would, but we, we the PSC done a lot of suspicious loans. I mean, the independent group loan mm. was just one of them. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the media industry, you'd have to say it's in a tough place, Huffington Post closing yeah. down. Um, yeah. But that was under, under Nene when those loans were made. So yeah. that is... So these people have all got a history with each other, is what I'm trying to say, really. I mean, mm. and, we, and I guess it's up to, up to people like Sikonato over here to unravel it and find there's, out. There's a very long history. Look, yeah. Jacob Zuma appointed, or, or rather a finance minister under Jacob Zuma, and that finance minister was Pravin Gordon, yeah. appointed uh, uh, Elias Masilela as chief executive. Yeah. Dan Machila was already chief investment officer under Brian Mulefe back then. He's yeah. been there since 2003. Right. Uh, now, 
Elias Masilela and Jacob Zuma used to live at number 43 Trolani Park in Swaziland uh, in Manzini, which was Elias's home when they were in exile. So there's a very long history going on. Yeah. When uh, Jacob Zuma became president, Elias Masilela became chief executive, they did the independent deal, they did indeed the Times Media deal, they did uh, Kamak Energy, which is the... the that shady operation yeah. that has now uh, been liquidated in Texas. Uh, a guy who donated... Uh, yeah. Uh, Lowell. Yeah, yeah Lowell, he donated millions to the Jacob Zuma Foundation. In return, the PIC gave him a loan of three billion rand, and uh, all that money is gone. Those were the many decisions that the PIC made that made it vulnerable to police. And of course, there are many more. Hence, uh, Malusi Kigaba insisted last year before he could be accused of anything that they should publish the list of their uh, unlisted yeah. investments. Yeah. But I think as well, I mean, this, this situation with VBS Bank collapsed where they found out that the two PRC representatives, and Sekinati did quite an extensive yes. piece on that, the two executives from the PRC who were on the VBS board in charge of looking after this investment were themselves highly compromised with huge loans from the bank um, and had allowed this massive epic fraud. Yeah. And it's literally a theft of a bank. 75% of the bank was stolen under their noses. And I think that's made Dr. Majila's position a lot more vulnerable as well. And they themselves actually are recipients of loans from the same bank. Mm. Right. Yeah, sure. No, no, no. And, but the question, the, I'm just trying to figure out whether Nkantla Nene is, is in any way compromised by, by any of this, given, given that he was at one stage chairman of that board. The VBS uh, loans didn't happen under his chairmanship, did they? They happened in 2015, Tlantlanene was finance minister. Before then, he was deputy minister. Yeah. Uh, the deals happened under him. Mm. So he's got a lot to answer for. As why, is he not ans why, is, why is he not answering? No one it? has charged him uh, with, with any particular thing. Why doesn't he thing. speak about it? Well, why is it a bad thing to Rem? lend money? To, yeah, to see, I, I think that there seems to be a sort of, um, in, in science fiction, you have this sort of like magic bubble of protection that somehow... Yeah sits over the PRC and I think that's because the PRC has its finger in so many pies mm. that maybe the powers that be are saying we don't really want to open this can of worms and start going into each and every loan and who it was given to and whether it was properly approved yeah. and you know whether it's been paid back or not or you know um, it seems to be there, there could be a very very big story yeah in what the PRC has done well, in the last much money around 15 years. There's a lot of stories. When I talk to people at the PIC or at the National Treasury, and you say, why is Daniel Machila in trouble? People say, look at the pipeline, look at the proposed pipeline and what the PIC is doing and what the PIC is not doing. When you talk to him, he says, look at the pipeline, you possibly can make up your own mind about why I'm in trouble. You, you talk to the people that support him, they say the same thing. You talk to the people that are trying to get rid of him, they yeah. say the same thing. Look at the pipeline, look at the, what the PIC is done. There's a lot in the pipeline. There's uh, two trillion rands worth of deals there at the PIC and then there's the, the, the unlisted deals. All these politicians have their friends and they have lined them up. Others have benefited, others have not. Hence, both, uh, both sides are right when, they, when those that don't want sure. him say, look at the pipeline. Yeah, those that support you, him, they the say, FM, look at the pipeline. A couple of weeks ago, you published a graph of the sort of returns of, 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 of the PRC and they were better than the market. And you sort of think, well, you know, 
that's a one way to cover your tracks is do you know invest smartly. If you have is the market to some extent. It's so huge, two trillion rand that it kind mm. of it, it's forced to basically reflect what the market does, and that's what happens. How bad the market is. Yeah. But you know <laughs> what they have is they have this giant unlisted fund yeah. of small investments. Now in that fund, three hundred million rand. Of, of a two trillion rand company, mm. you can comp they can do what they want with it. Yeah. You, you will never notice it. Yeah. And that's that's what Sekonati says. A lot of these politicians, they know that say a ten million rand investments, you'll never notice that in the giant context of yeah. a fund like that. Yeah, talking about whether what's real and what's not real. Saul Ramaphosa goes to the Middle East. He picks up ten billion dollars mm. in Saudi Arabia. Another ten billion dollars dollars in the United Arab Emirates. How, uh, how real is this money? I mean, is it just a commitment? And, and you know, does Cyril obviously now has a target of 100 billion US dollars to chase over five years. Um, is, he, is, he, is, is he counting? I mean, he's done, basically, he's done 20% of it already. Mm. Or is it, or, 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 or do, is it just, you know? Yeah, you know, I think he was, you know, when the announcement was made, I don't think it was made in terms of actual landed yeah. investment, um, dollars arriving in South Africa, but I think that the signal from the currency market, which strengthened from where it was, I mean, yeah. it was it headed for 14 Rand yeah. and is now back in the low 13s. Yeah. It seems that the market seems to think that there's some real money gonna come yeah. in here. But um, in terms of commitments, he probably yeah. can reach that 100 billion. The question is, Will they be followed through? Will it be followed through and will he still be around when the money arrives? And, and there was absolutely no detail about what those investments are, what no. they will be. Well, uh, we, you know, the Saudis were something to do with green energy, but the UAE one was completely oblique. That, now, that, that, that's where the, the, the issue is. Yeah. You, you only really need to look at what the detail is. And the Saudis can come back five, seven years later and still are thinking about wh where to invest the money. Uh, is there a project that's been identified? What is the need? What have they actually bought? Yeah. They haven't bought Well, it's it. an opportunity, I suppose, I mean, for Ramaphosa to spell out, given the right sort of stage. Um, this is what we're going to do with this 10 that's been promised. We're going to do spend 10 billion of that money there. 10, obviously, the stuff has got to be have, generate some kind of return. Otherwise, it's not investment. It's a it's a gift, which 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 it which which it isn't. Um, uh, Donald Trump in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin was hilarious. It, Extraordinary. I can't remember what he said wrong. He said something like, um, "Was it would have or wouldn't have?" Yeah. Anyway, he's. He backtracked on what he said he about asked, the Russians. I think he was asked, um, you know, do you believe that, that Russia would have interfered in our election? Uh, and what he said is, what right. he initially said is, um, why would they? And I then he, he changed said, it to I say... I don't think they would have. You see, he says, I don't and think they would And then he later said, he later called a press conference no. the following day no. to explain that what I'm actually, I left out a little tiny few letters. I meant to say, I don't think they wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the double negative, you know, but by then I think the entire U.S. foreign policy yeah, he's got himself into big, he's had got come himself down into big trouble. Like and I mean, I'm sure Obama yesterday knew all of that. I mean, this stuff must have come through an earpiece embedded in his ear by now. He must be able to respond to this kind of stuff almost moment yeah. by moment. Well, he talked um, about politicians that lie. Politicians um, that lie and politicians who hold press conferences, as you're talking about, to say nothing. And keep lying yeah. when they've been caught in a lie. So maybe the earpiece was yeah. working. You can close us. Well, um, Donald Trump, Jacob Zuma, 
politicians that lie. Yeah, all of them uh, in, in Vladimir Putin's pocket. And too. Barack yeah. Obama says yeah. they back in the day they used to uh, to pretend they are shocked that they've been caught lying. Yeah. But then we have here uh, our own people who actually did provide us the disclaimer many yeah. years ago. Do you remember a guy called Ndaweni Mashango who said, "Yeah, what's what's the problem with us lying?" Here we go. Mm. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you again next week.